All right, boys and girls, welcome back to the You Love to Hear It podcast. I think this is episode five, and we're starting this one off in a crazy era that we're living in right now. And the reason that I'm jumping into this is because we've had so much downtime recently, and everybody's claiming, me included, that we're getting so bored. You just want to get out of the house. I don't even remember what it was like when you used to be able to just go outside and drive around and go to the store and live your daily life like nothing was going on. And for some reason, podcasts have always been tough for me. I don't know what it is about just sitting down in front of the camera and going at it for like 30 minutes, but I'm sure everybody has something like that. And during this time, I feel like there is no better time, myself included, to just commit to do something that you know you've wanted to do for so long, even though maybe you've had to work too much or you haven't had the time off or you haven't had the financial ability to just go all in on it. Right now we do. We have so much time. A lot of people are unemployed or they're maybe getting unemployment. So they're actually having money coming in. And in a couple weeks, hopefully when this is all over, we're going to be looking back at it and we want to be able to say, wow, I'm actually semi-glad that that happened because during those times, even though it was dark and negative, I managed to come through and do something that I wouldn't have done otherwise, which for me might be getting this podcast started. For some of you guys, it might be working out. You've seen the challenges that are going on on Instagram, the 20 push-up challenge. I started the other day, the tail block challenge, and we're just trying to get creative, trying to get unique. Right now is a tough, dark time that we're living in, not only in the United States, but around the globe. And for me, actually, it's been pretty tough to put out content because anything that I've been putting out, there's always negativity. But in times like this, when people need positivity more than anything, it's just surprising to see. And you've seen it with the push-up challenge where people are getting hated on or made fun of because their form isn't the best, even though these people probably weren't even doing push-ups before. And you should be grateful in empowering them and stoking them out for doing it. And maybe they'll get into a rhythm with it. But I've also had people hating on me for snowboarding in my backyard with my friends, saying that there's too many people around, even though the people that I live with are the people that I'm snowboarding with and that's who I'm quarantined with. And also saying that you could potentially get hurt and you'll have to go to the hospitals and the hospitals are already super swamped with people that are sick right now and that I'm just gonna make a burden on them. And I've done my research. I live in Truckee, California. There has been one reported incident of somebody coming down with COVID-19, the coronavirus, and that person never even went to the hospital. They got self-quarantined at their house for two weeks. So I'm just basically saying all this and starting all this off to let you guys know that we don't need the negativity right now. We don't need the hate comments on YouTube. We don't need the trolls on the internet. We need to come together and we need to empower each other and we need to do things that are healthy and beneficial. You could actually get injured driving. You could get injured walking. You can get injured at any point in time. So to tell somebody, hey man, you're, what if you get injured is just something I would, I would never tell somebody, hey man, what if something bad happened to you and then just end the sentence. Maybe if you're preparing for it, it's one thing, but if somebody's just putting other people down or telling them that they're form is bad on their push-ups. It's absolutely ridiculous and we don't need that right now. We need love, we need positivity, and we need stoke. So here I am making a podcast for you guys, trying to focus on that, trying to just give you guys some long-form content because I know we have a large window, every single one of us, every single day where we're just kind of sitting around. Even if you get your workout in and you get your stuff done, there's still a long 24 hours that we're just trying to figure out what to do and trying to stay happy and positive and stoked in these hard times and still get stuff done. So while we jump into this podcast, it's not going to be about what you think it is. 
I don't want to sit here and talk about all the negative things in the media, in the news, and in the real world that's going on. I just want to get back to kind of a regular lifestyle, a regular lifestyle podcast. And the last podcast I did was in October. And it was an hour long, and you guys were super stoked on it. It brought a lot of value to you guys. There's four other episodes I've done of the You Love to Hear It podcast if you guys want to check them out after or before or during this. But um, when I was done recording that podcast, I took a lot of questions from people, and I was supposed to keep them going, but I didn't, and I have all these saved in my phone. So we're just going to act like this is October or November, whenever these questions came in. And this is going to be a personal podcast, just me, no guests for right now, so I can get this thing rolling, get the ball back rolling on the podcast, get the comfortability in front of the camera. And not only that, but actually the hard part that comes afterwards when you got to get it all uploaded, when you got to get it all exported, you got to edit everything, you got to get it on iTunes, you got to get it on YouTube. So I'm just trying to get the rhythm of this going and the ball going and motivate you guys to hopefully do something that you wouldn't have done that you've wanted to do while we have all this downtime. So we're jumping into this thing. But first, I want to give a huge shout out to the sponsor of this podcast. There's a bunch of them. One in particular is Outside TV, and they have a website where they host a platform that you can upload your videos to. I'll leave the link below. It's outsidetv.com slash campfire, but you go there, you set up your own campfire channel, and then I have over 500 videos. It's as simple as uploading it right onto their web streamer, or you can take a YouTube link like I do, post it in, and once you post it and it goes for upload, all you have to do is click the contest that they have, and you can upload your video to enter in a contest. They have new contests every single month. I've hosted a couple of them. I've won three of them and now I'm actually sponsored by them and they support me and they've done so much for me. So I just want to give a huge shout out to OutsideTV.com for backing us, not only this podcast, but all throughout the winter and let you guys know OutsideTV.com slash campfire if you want to go and you want to upload your videos for a shot at winning so many dope prizes every single month. Thank you OutsideTV. Thank you, NanoCraft. Thank you, Guayaki. Thank you, Candy Grind. And let's jump into this. Our first question. I cut off the name, so I don't know, but it was, as a beginner, I used the feature jumps to learn how to take off of a jump and lift up. I learned quickly not to do it after the first day from a friend that is an experienced park rider. So he's talking about side jumping off a kicker instead of hitting the jump going to the feature that it's made for. For beginners that want to learn jump but aren't ready for the speed of a small jump that has to clear a gap and it's only comfortable with maybe a couple feet and not launching off a jump made to get air with, what do you recommend for those people? What other things can they practice on? Side hits and all that are usually paired with speed, so that might not work for some if most beginner riders. This is a question I had when I started, but I never asked anybody, so I figured I'd ask for the beginners that might be wondering the same thing as I used to. Thanks for your amazing content and keep the neck healthy. Been a patron supporter for a good while now. Stoked to hopefully see you out in Tahoe this year again. So homie, my tip for people who are side kickering or side jumping, we all know that that's a big no-no in snowboarding and it gets a lot of dislike from the people that are riding in the park because on soft days especially, there is a signified line that hits the rail and the trajectory has to be right and they're built, they're built ruts. So when you're kind of coming at the rail, if the trajectory is off from somebody side hitting, then it could pull you off and it could mess up your attempt at hitting the rail the correct way. So that's why side jumping is not good because it messes up your actual direction of the feature that it's built for. My tip would be knuckles. As long as you're not going in the middle of the knuckle and as long as you look uphill and side to side and down and right, you make sure nobody's hitting the jump, 
if you go fast at a knuckle of a jump, you can slowly pop six inches, 12 inches, two feet, five feet, 10 feet, and you get more and more comfortable with having your body be off of the ground. But just make sure that you're not cutting in the middle of the landing of the jump and then popping because at any point in time, somebody can come over the lip of that jump and completely destroy you. So I would say side hits, even though like you said, sometimes you need to actually have the correct speed for them. You can take a side hit off of a trail as big as you want to go as long as you know nobody's in the trail and you can take a knuckle basically as big as you want to go. So it's good for progressing and it's good for getting your board off the ground for the first time. And as long as you're making sure nobody else is around you, it's a very good way to build up your distance of your hang time and the distance of the gap that you guys are clearing. So the second question comes from Brandon Hart. Weird question, Casey. Do you have any advice for handling the anxiety of being in the park with a bunch of really good riders when you're not good yourself? I was at Copper, saw you yesterday, but I didn't want to bother you and got really down and a full anxiety watching so many amazing riders going ham in the park while I was embarrassed to be trying board slides on boxes. The park was also crowded. I was scared to hit anybody or cut anybody off, so I just kind of sat there and did nothing and eventually left. Any tips? Thanks, bro. Yesterday was cool to see you throwing down. First of all, if you ever see me, definitely say what up because the stoke is all time when you guys give shout outs on Hill. And for your question about fear and anxiety in the park when everybody's better than you, the number one thing that you have to remember is that every single person in the park hitting anything, the best person there was at your level at one point in time. They've either been riding longer than you, they either moved somewhere and they've just got more hours in. But the only thing that you need to focus on is yourself and remember that everybody around you does not matter. They will not see you tomorrow. They will not see you the next day. Anytime you change gear, anytime you go to a different mountain, if you don't live there, these people, even if they watch you fall, they could laugh. It's irrelevant to them. It has nothing to do with them. It's you and your progression and every single one of those people fall. But you just gotta remember that in order to get better, everybody falls. So you haven't fallen in front of people yet, like the people that you see that are good that have fallen in front of many people. I grew up in Mount Snow, or I grew up riding at Mount Snow, and they have the Nitro Lift, which is the best, most epic terrain park, medium size for all riders, and the Nitro Lift runs right above it. So you cannot do one trick or hit one feature at my home mountain without the entire park crew, the entire staff, all of the guests, all of the locals, all of the tourists coming. They all see you every single run. And I guess if you put music in and you realize that you're there for yourself and that just like anything in life, if anybody says anything bad about you or if anybody laughs at you or makes fun of you or does anything negative towards you, it has nothing to do with you. It's a complete reflection of them and themselves and they actually need love because something's hurting inside of somebody if they're gonna laugh and make fun of somebody who's progressing at a sport that they also love. So I would just go deep inside, dude. I would take a gnarly breath and I would realize that everybody around me has been at the same level as me. None of them are probably even worried about you. It's mostly all in your head, especially if you're riding in a park where there's boxes and there's smaller features. The people that are hitting the 60, 70 foot booters are not looking over at the smaller park and laughing at people. So like a lot of things in life, it's probably mental, bro. Just know that you have to get worked. You have to put 10,000 hours in and everybody bails. So just be stoked that you're out there snowboarding and that you even have the opportunity to fall or that you're even surrounded by people that are better than you and look at them as a goal that you have in the future of something that you wanna to get to and know that they were where you were at some point in their life. Hope that helps, brother. Jacob Severenik, question for the podcast. What enables you to get out of your comfort zone and make deeper progress? the love and the passion that I have 
for progress. I love the mission. I love the journey. I love everything that goes into becoming a better person. So all of the bails, all the trials, the triumphs, the tribulations, whatever you want to call them, it's all part of the process and everybody has to go through it like I was just saying. So what keeps me motivated and keeps me going is the fact that it's even possible and then witnessing people that are better than you do it and having friends to push you further that are better than you at riding or are as good at you as good as you at riding and that's really it just trying to have fun and knowing and being grateful that every single day I get to progress myself is the main reason that I do it the option is even still available to be in your prime and to progress how could you not we got one coming in from gazrian 88 what up casey just listen to episode 4 and love the knowledge brother I would love if you could expand some more on your mindset about spending money during your year, living off savings, and even now how they compare, and what you value most these days when it comes to spending. Thanks, bro. This is a huge one. This is all anybody ever wants to wonder, and it's the biggest question not only in snowboarding or traveling, but just basically in every aspect of life. There are a couple things in life that you want to learn if you have goals in mind that are big and if you have plans and if you have requirements of things that you're trying to accomplish and do that require money, one of those is getting rid of all of the comfort and convenient things in your life. There's a reason that if you go to a gas station, a bag of chips that is this big costs $3 and then when you go out of your way to the grocery store and spend some more time, you get a bag of chips that's this big for $3. Convenience is real and when you walk into a grocery store and you go shopping and you spend a hundred bucks, you spend that same hundred bucks at a couple markets and get a tenth of the items. So you just got to be smart with what you think you need at that time. A lot of people like to use the word need, myself included, when they don't really need it. They want it. And when you want something, it's different than when you need something. You need water, you need air, you need gas in order to get to a certain location but you don't need gas so you got to be very careful with the want and the need and you got to make sure that you only buy the things that you need that being said like i always say if you get so much enjoyment out of spending money on something that i would consider blowing money say going out on friday and saturday and going to the bar with your friends or buying video games or buying things that you don't need buying snacks at the gas station if that truly brings you happiness then nothing else matters because the only point to life is being happy. And if that's your goal, which it is, everybody's goal in life is to be happy, then spend your money however you want. But if you're going to be complaining and whining about not being able to go somewhere or asking somebody, how do you do this or how do you afford that? I could never do this. I have bills. I have to pay rent. Number one, drop your bills. I think the biggest thing in life is taking all the keys that you have. Each key that you have is a bill and dropping it, making sure that, do I really need this? Do I actually need this $12.99 membership for some app that I use every week? Do I actually need to spend the extra $50 on these certain supplements that aren't doing that? There's so many things that people spend money on that I can't really give a strict guideline of this is where you need to not spend money and this is where you need to spend money because everybody's different and everybody enjoys different things and as long as you're enjoying things and you're happy, that's crucial and that's what we're looking for. But basically, my rent has been my insurance on my vehicle that I bought for $1,000 10 years ago. I lived in my Ford Ranger for like eight years. 
I didn't basically ever shower because I didn't have a home. I would shower at friends once a week. I would offer food or cooking to them. And that was my apartment. That was my condo. Whatever people think that they're paying money for for rent was my car. But I also sacrificed not having a home, not being able to sleep in the middle of the day because my car is so hot. that There's no such thing as naps anymore. You always have to actively be doing something or finding shade or going somewhere. And I could go on forever about this, but it's the little things that add up. I have saved so much money in pennies and dollar bills in change jars instead of every time you go out spending two bucks here, three bucks there, it adds up. Maybe tally down all the money that you're spending every single day and look at it at the end of the day, at the end of the week. Where can I save some of this money? It's gonna be different for everybody, but just know that if you wanna accomplish your dreams and you wanna travel or you wanna do something that's gonna require you to have a financial stability and not have that much income, you're gonna to need to make sacrifices, you're gonna to need to get rid of some comfort, and it's not gonna be easy by any means. But when you're hanging out at Machu Picchu because you saved for the past three months and you didn't go out Friday, Saturday, Sunday with all your boys spending $200 a night at the clubs, now you're chilling and now you're stoked and that's really what it comes down to is just not blowing money on things that are not essential. Nomad Molly, watched your podcast and I think that was the most complete answer I've ever heard about the college question. I come from a family that worships education and I do too, but there is more than one way to get an education. You meet people from around the world who worked hard, you studied marketing and board sports harder than anybody studies in college, and you studied microeconomics and business. You learned about other cultures and you studied social interactions and psychology. You probably learned a fair amount of Spanish. You speak well, you know how to write a business proposal, etc. It's not that you didn't go to college, you just designed your own program and it probably cost you as much money as a private school. That is true but you have that ambition and that work ethic and you made it happen. It's super inspiring. I hope the little Groms hear your message of how hard that was. You really put it well. It was old school dirt and grit like our grandfathers would put it. Thanks for it, C. I guess that's not even a question. That is just some serious love from Nomad talking about the last podcast. If any of you guys are interested in that, all of the ones are on iTunes. They're all in a playlist on YouTube and you can go check them out. Next question is from Martilija. Some context might be needed to make sense with this, but I've been hooked on Red Bull for at least four years, drinking three to four cans a day every day and eating a cinnamon bun at work before lunch. And today, the thought of buying one has not even crossed my mind. You're a legend, bro. Never thought a damn coffee could make such a difference. Can't thank you enough for the quality content you're putting out. Gonna be saving all this money I've been throwing away at 7-Eleven and putting it towards a trip to either Japan or Lake Tahoe next year. How did that just follow up with what I said? That's incredible. Shout out to Bulletproof Coffee, by the way. Oh my gosh. Here we go, Thomas Morsch. Hey Casey, just saw your video, how to improve your snowboarding dramatically back from 18. Pretty sick video. Definitely share your thoughts about getting things done. Since I started snowboarding three years ago, I got like 100 days on snow, which for most people is a lot, but for me, it's still not enough. How did you get to go for the hills almost every day? Where's the money coming from? I would love to go on the hill every day, but living in Cologne where there are no hills around me, getting the winter seasons done in Austria for most of the season is not enough. Got any tips how to handle the drive all year round? Hype to hear from you. So I've put some videos out on YouTube called How to Snowboard Year Round, and this literally is basically the same question. Everybody wants to know the same question that I just answered about how do you get enough money to be able to travel and do what you want and it's just sacrifices. It's getting rid of all the little convenient things, all the little comforts and taking your bed out of a room, throwing it in an RV, 
finding five of your boys and sleeping in an RV is insane. I have lived in Huntington Beach, California. The reason that 12 of my friends got out there is because we all moved across the country at the same time and got a two bedroom a mile and a half away from the ocean and got our rent down to $180 a piece because we were splitting it with 12 people. And there was people living in the kitchen, in the dining room, the living room was split, three people on, on one couch area, another person out in the patio, two people upstairs in the master, two people upstairs in the dining, in the, two people upstairs in the den, another bedroom upstairs. There was people all over the house and once we graduated and people would get jobs, they'd be able to move out, get their own place. We'd throw a couple more people in from Connecticut, where we're from, and we would just be cycling through anybody who needed help. We would help our friends out. We would help pay their rent for the first month or two, help them get jobs, drive them to their job applications. Once they got interviewed and they got their job and they got a car, then they'd pay us back and they'd pay for rent and then they'd move out. And you just gotta be able to risk all of the little comfortable things that you don't realize every single day, like taking a shower, how grateful you are for them when you have them, you just gotta get rid of them for not even that long. But if you wanna do it long term, like I have for the past 10 years traveling nonstop, you gotta be good, you gotta make a lot of connections, and you gotta offer people a lot because the exchange of humans is unbelievable. The things that you can do for somebody when you can do them for that person will always come back and help you. I have housed multiple of my friends from Germany that have come to the US. I've hit up my friends saying, I've got friends that are coming here from over in Europe they put me up on their couch for two months last year. Can you help them out at all? And sure enough, they're crashing at my friend's house. And through that connection, I can go back to Europe the next year and be stoked that I helped them out. And they put me up on their couch. And the circle of humanity is amazing. And if you have a group of 10, 20, 30 people, and each person is crushing a disparate aspect of life, then you scored. If you have a mechanic friend and you have an electrician friend and you're a cook, you guys can all trade and nobody's really spending any money on any of those things. So it's a long, in-depth, detailed answer and it goes back to everything that I said in that past one, but you just gotta be careful with every dollar you spend. You gotta make sure that what you're putting it in is gonna come back tenfold. <sighs> James Bishop. Yo man, quick question. How'd you go about solo travel? Like before all the work was put in, like the first time you went overseas. I remember you talking about going to Austria, New Zealand, all this stuff solo before the channel popped off. I think you said it was five years ago or so. I'm trying to take the leap. I just don't know where to start. Besides saving up a boatload of money and not spending on stupid stuff, that's the biggest takeaway I've gotten from watching you for as long as I have. Were you following the pro circuit or were you just chasing the snow itself? I'm trying to plan an embarkment around the beginning of the next season by either getting a place in Colorado or Mammoth, but I haven't decided yet. Any tips and even some for the faint of heart down to crash in my car for an extended period of time, laugh out loud, would help. James, I believe you might have gotten a lot out of the last couple answers that I just put out there, but you're right. I was traveling for a long time by myself before any of this vlog and any of this channel started, and that's a large portion of why I started it is because I was doing so well and I was able to get so much done. And every time I visited home or I saw people, everybody was always confused. How did you do it? How are you doing it? How are you able to just travel year round? And where do you get the money for these flights? Or how do you get the confidence? Or how do you know where you're going? If you've never been to Chile, how are you gonna book a flight to Chile? What are you gonna do? And I have an insane amount of faith in the unknown. And I believe in positivity and positive thinking and reinforcing that with hard work and commitment and consistency and dedication over long periods of time. And you gotta just, you gotta be willing to risk it. The first time I went overseas, I booked a flight 
through a friend on Facebook that told me that he had friends in Austria that would let us crash on their couch and we'd be able to go to Stubai and snowboard the glaciers during October, November when there's no snow anywhere in the US. I knew this kid was a good rider. I knew he was sponsored, so I knew that he had a good word, but I didn't realize that he was basically lying. But come to find out, I say I'm down. I book my flight over there. He's already there. I have absolutely no idea what's going on. It's my first time overseas. I book my flight to Europe. I get to Germany. I ask the first person I see, how do I get to Austria? What's the best way? They told me. So just through the confidence in asking people, people are amazing, they're so friendly, they're so willing to help, and a lot of people speak English. English is the number one language in the world, so if you are an English speaker, you already have a one-up. So I went to Europe, I asked the first person I see, how do I get to Austria? They tell me the bus, that's the first step. You go one increment by one increment. I get on the bus, there's Wi-Fi on the bus. I'm messaging my friend, where is this spot that we're going to? He tells me the address. I ask the bus driver or somebody near me, how do I get to this address? They tell me, they give me directions. I switch buses, I get on the next one. By the time I get to the city, come to find out, those kids didn't even know that we were coming to crash on their couch. They're fully down regardless because we're all snowboarders. We all are there for the same thing and I offered to help them pay some of their rent. They are just a couple of snow bums that are living in Innsbruck in the city and I show up and I'm offering to pay a third or a quarter of their rent to let me crash on their floor. They're so down. I start cooking food for them, like you said. I start cooking meals for them. Anything that they need, I'm purchasing it. I'm taking the garbage out. I'm doing the dishes. These people are stoked to have me. That builds this cycle of the same people like I told you the Germans coming to the US to help them out later, this is where it all started. And there's been multiple times when I've flown overseas or there's this weird blacked out mindset of like a GPS map that I have if I've never gone to an area. And it seems super scary at first, and it is, it's very scary. But once you're there, it's so easy. And anytime you've ever done anything, Say you flew somewhere for the first time and you met some people and you figured out where the hotels are and you figured out where the surf spots were or you figured out where to eat. Then you come home, that black blurry image that I have is always gone and it literally is filled in with all these options and all these things that I know and I wanna tell people and I wanna say, dude, you gotta go here, you gotta go to Italy or you gotta go to France, this is where you need to stay, this is, and you feel the confidence of those people that have been there one time before. It's just that initial commitment of taking a blind shot into the dark and booking a flight there. I book flights to Colorado all the time and I don't have a ride and I land and I have this faith in me that I'm gonna meet somebody there because I know Colorado is a snowboarding area and most people go to Summit County and when I'm standing there waiting for my bag, I'm just verbal and I just ask people, yo, what's going on man, what's your name, where are you from? Sick, are you going to Summit County? No way, any shot I can get a ride, I'll throw you 30 bucks, boom, that person just got their entire gas trip paid for. I saved half of the money because I don't have to book an Uber and I guess the point of me saying all this is that you have to commit and you have to have faith in humanity and you have to have faith in yourself. You are a legend. You can do anything. The odds of you not being able to find food or water in like 30 days and actually dying is so minuscule. And if you're not going to a third world country, then the things that you have to worry about are so small, it's insane. You can basically talk to everybody. You can go to an ATM, you can pull out money, you can just hand people cash and buy food, drink water, like it's not difficult, it's just scary. And anything in life that's amazing is gonna be scary at first. You just have to commit to just knocking it out, knowing that in a month or so, that black wall of not 
knowing what's going on of unsecurity is going to be this bright, vivid picture filled with all these landscapes and all these hotels and everything that you know and all these friends and those friends are going to link to other friends and doing it is the biggest thing. Book it and do it because I always say that the people and the opportunities have not arisen yet in the area that you're going because you haven't gone there and met them yet. When me and my brother and Mike Green and TCAP and the boys flew to Japan, they wanted so badly to get uh, like Airbnbs and they wanted to be able to book these places so they knew that when we got there, we'd be secure. Sure enough, I told them no, just wait, just wait. We literally haven't met the people yet that are gonna potentially hook us up. It's gonna be too expensive if we do that and then we're gonna be locked into something that we might not want. We got there. We stayed at a hostel. We figured out where one was. It was so gnarly. We traveled there. The next day, my brother was getting drone shots and the neighbor to the hostel that we were flying, that my brother was flying the drone at, told him, you can land the drone in my driveway, dude, if you need a good spot because there was so much snow everywhere. Landed the drone. The dude calls my brother inside and says, hey man, I could use some work on my house taking photos for my Airbnb and some videos. Long story short, end up exchanging a two-week stay at this giant chalet for me and my four friends in exchange for my brother recording and making a video and shooting photos for his Airbnb. None of that would have been possible had we booked a $2,000 Airbnb the day before and or a week before or two weeks before. And although it can be gnarly, as long as you have enough money and you have enough wits and you're conscious enough to be able to handle situations, you will get through it and it will be the best time of your life because the uncertainty and living in the uncertainty I don't know, maybe it's just me, but that's probably my favorite thing in the world is figuring out a scenario and problem solving when you had no idea what you were going to do an hour or a day beforehand. That was a long one. We'll do a couple more of these. No title. From Luca. Hey Casey, been watching you since 5K subs. Love your vids. Always getting me hyped for snowboarding and surfing. Anyway, I was wondering if you could help me out. I'm 14 and I've been snowboarding since I was five. That's sick. However, I just can't seem to get any better. What I mean by this is that I'm simply just too afraid to do any tricks. I really want to send it in the park, but I always second guess and get afraid of falling and embarrassing myself. The only thing I can really do is ollie in 50-50 down a small box rail. Maybe you can give some advice on getting over my fears and just sending it without getting afraid. So this is a big one, and I think a lot of people are going to get a lot of value out of this. First of all, it sounds like you're smart. And whenever you have a good brain on your neck, in your head, it's tough. I feel like I'm pretty conscious and I'm pretty well put together when it comes to my intellect and it affects my snowboarding a lot. I break things down way too much. I'm always kind of looking at every single angle and every scenario and in the back of my head, because I'm smart, I think of all the bad things that can happen and it's true and it's a pretty high rate of potentiality that it will happen, which is a lot of the reason why I travel around the world and I'm always snowboarding, but I take these breaks in between and when I come back, instead of just throwing down double corks, I like to get my front sevens, my back nines, my front tens, my switchback nines. I like to get all those tricks over again. So it seems like I'm repeating things, but for me, I like to have all of the elements set up proper so that I can snowboard for as long as I can. And I'm so grateful every single day that I am snowboarding and am healthy. And I think that you need to dwell on that a bit more. Progression is not everything. If you don't plan on being a pro snowboarder or if you don't have it in you, but you can board side and you can 50-50 and you've been snowboarding for that long and you have fun, don't worry about other people's judgments. Don't worry about what anybody else thinks about your progression. Just worry about you. Dial those 50s in. Dial those board sides in. 
and make the progression small. If you're really smart and you're always thinking about what can happen, I understand that feeling of maybe not wanting to go right into a front board because you're not comprehending how it works and you can't envision yourself doing it. So it seems like a bad idea because it is. I always like to be able to envision everything perfectly before I do it and make sure that I can land it in my head and it feels comfortable and I can actually grasp how it's happening and then I try to put it down for the second time. I think if you land it once in your head, you're landing it again for the second time in real life. So I'm not really giving you much of a tip on how to progress other than taking it super slow and moving that board side into maybe a swivel to switch 50-50, ollieing over the rail and doing the trick. So if you have a small box, maybe front 180 over the box, then land before you do a front 180 onto the box to make sure that you can get your legs and your shifting movements all dialed in. But I would say more than anything, be grateful that you're on a snowboard, that you're able to snowboard and you're at the level that you're at and don't worry about progression that much. And if you wanna progress, take it slow, one 90 degree spin at a time, one jump at a time, one foot at a time if you're going for gaps or distances and just be aware that you're smart and snowboarding is very high consequential and every day that you're healthy and that you haven't gotten injured is, is a blessing because what we do is so dangerous and we do it every single day with almost no care. I don't know how many more of these we got. I don't know how deep we are into this video, but Cam Carve, what's up bro? I'm a huge fan of your YouTube videos. I love them so much. It's so awesome to get that type of content on YouTube for snowboarding. I had a quick question. So I've been snowboarding on and off for 10 years. I've been more consistent over the past few years though and I feel like I'm at a point where I can either stay where I'm at skill-wise or improve a lot. I feel like the thing that holds me back the most is I get too psyched out or in my head when I wanna learn something new or try something bigger than I've ever done before. Part of me knows I can do it, but another part of me gets psyched out. Do you have any advice on overcoming that? I know if I can get past that, it'll help me improve a lot. Any advice will be much appreciated. Much respect, brother. So that leads back into exactly what I was saying in the last answer, except for you need to ask yourself how important is it to you and how badly do you want to progress? Because if you're only trying to progress to maybe impress somebody else, then you're doing it for the wrong reason. You're obviously smart yet again, and you know that snowboarding is dangerous, so the progression thing gets kind of crazy. I would say do the same steps as I told you about taking it slow and just doing small increments for your progression, but the part where you said you know you can do it, that makes me just think that it's a simple fear thing and maybe you haven't gone or learned or done too many things before in snowboarding that have been for the first time. So I would just drill it in your head, watching somebody doing it, watching somebody doing it, thinking, 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 what do I need to do to make it happen? I need to shift my legs this way and practice, practice, turn my head early, turn my head early, repeat it in your head, then envision it over and over and over again. And then sometimes, dude, if you know you have it and you wanna do it, things that are scary, you got to man up and you just got to do them. There's no piece of advice that I have for that. If you can see it in your head, you know you want to get it done. Maybe just make sure there's a lot of snow in the landing. Make, if you're going to go for a new trick on a jump, wait for a pow day. If you're going to go for a new rail, wait until the rail isn't 30 inches off the ground. Wait until it's a smaller on the rail or started on a smaller rail. If there's a rail that's a foot long or three feet long, you can practice hardway cab two, blunt, rather than going right to a 25 foot down flat down and trying to hardway cab two on. So just being smart and making sure that you progress while staying healthy and then just man up, commit and do it, dude. You got it. All right, 
We got some coming in from Patreon right now. Hudson Graham, quick question for the podcast. Heading to opening day in Snowshoe, West Virginia this weekend. Oh, what a time we're living in. Then I will be in Colorado for a week in December. I want to progress my park riding, but don't have much time to do it. Any suggestions or progression in a short period of time? I want to start hitting some larger features, but don't want to rush it in West Virginia before Colorado. And that is genius. There is nothing worse than rushing something to get something done and then having no time to do it for the rest of the season because something not good happens. I would say take it slow. Don't worry about progressing too much and focus on all of the time that you're not on the hill. Obviously, if you can get more time on the hill, 10,000 hours, quit your job, sell everything you have, live in your car, get a job at the mountain, be unemployed, do whatever you got to do to get those hours in. If that's your dream and that's your goal, we've all done it. But if you can't, you got a family, you got a job, you got bills, you need to make sure that happens. Skateboarding, working out, eating vegetables, eating healthy fats, having good strict diet, stretching, jogging, anything that is mobility exercises, working out. Do things that are going to benefit you and your body and your consciousness and your mind and everything that has to do with your soul and who you are and how you feel. That will translate right over to snowboarding. If you're stronger and more flexible and more agile and more resilient off the hill, that translates directly to the hill. Take care of yourself and it will take care of your riding. Eric Conowicz got a question for the podcast. How do you get over the fear of trying new tricks like spinning onto rails? I always get sketched out about screwing up and hurting myself and being out for the season. We got another smart brain here and you already know the answer. I've said it many, many times. I'll say it again. Envision it in your head. Start small. Work on a rail that's not more than three feet in the beginning. Maybe even start on a box. Envision it. Watch other videos of how it's done. Watch how-to videos and get hours on a board, get out there and practice, 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 and make sure that your practice is perfect, small, and work your way up, bro. And just commit. You got it, dude. All right, we'll do a couple more here because I wanna get this thing up online right now. Yo, it's Dev. Yo, Casey, not really expecting a text back. I know you're busy as, but I have a couple questions I asked on the live, but I got injured two seasons ago, hit a down rail and slid out and folded over a rail. Bomb, 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 bunch of injuries. Wondering wondering if you have any tips for me getting back on the mountain this season and how I can avoid that again. Petrified to hit rails because I almost paralyzed myself. Any tips would be awesome. Sending the boys in SoCal love. I'm waiting for Bear Mountain on opening day. I'll be shooting up there, claiming Bear, laying down some bangers for the boys. So, Dev, dude, a lot of the same questions that I'm answering right now. I hope you got some insight from the past ones. Dude, injuries like that and coming back from them are so gnarly. You got to be grateful. You just got to be so appreciative for all the turns that you're making. And like I keep saying, ask yourself, how important is progression to you? Are you having enough fun riding around the mountain? Are you having enough fun staying in your comfort zone? Maybe if you can already board slide rails and hit jumps, are you satisfied enough for at least the time being while your brain gets out of the state of, oh my God, I almost died and I'm doing the same thing that I was doing when I almost died, should I be doing this? And it rewires itself to comfortability. Oh yeah, I've hit this jump before. Oh, I know how to board side. Oh, I know how to hit this. And enjoying it and having fun in every turn and being grateful for every time you hit anything and land it and are healthy and take it slow, dude. If you're not trying to be a professional rider and that's not in your goals, then progression, to an extent, doesn't really need to happen. As long as you're on the hill and you're having fun and you're stoking people out and you're stoked and you're enjoying your life, 
That's what's important. Everybody gets all worked up in their head because everybody in the world these days has triple corks and quad corks and they're all 12 years old and everybody thinks it's so dope and it is, but it's not for everybody. Just like living in your van is not for everybody. Just like a keto diet isn't for everybody. You gotta just take everything with a grain of salt and you gotta do what makes you happy and keeps you in your comfort zone, but also hovers on the outside of your comfort zone when it comes to riding. When it comes to living, there should be no comfort whatsoever. <laughs> All right, we're gonna do, we're gonna do two more. Hey bro, don't know if you'll read this, but I wanted to ask you for some advice on snowboarding. Been riding for about two years and I already learned how to do a 360, ride rails and some grabs, and I feel like the next step is learning how to backflip, but I'm scared to actually do it on a jump. How do I overcome that fear and just send it? Well, Robert, we live in a time period where Woodward is a real thing. Trampolines are a real thing. Foam pits are a real thing. Airbags are a real thing. And pow days are a real thing. I would say if you know you have it and you've done the envisioning and you've watched the videos, you've seen the how-tos, you know that you have it, you're committed, you're ready to get it done, wait for a pow day, build a poppy kicker and land in a powder landing. That's two, three feet of pow. If you don't have that, a foot of pow hopefully. If not, make the right kicker. Look at specific videos on how to make sure that the jump is built for backflipping. It's gotta be vertical, it's gotta be a poppy jump. If you're going off a flat jump and there's not that much hang time, you'll probably catch your toe edge or you'll probably land on your neck. You wanna make sure that you're building the feature with the right trajectory to get it done. And you wanna make sure that the landing is safe enough to where you're not gonna get smoked on a cheese wedge drop down tabletop. Maybe do it on a step up, step over. And if you have the option, obviously, Woodward, foam pads, camps, high cascade where they have airbags and anything like that to make it possible. But dude, man up. A lot of people are scared of a lot of things. Snowboarding's gnarly, you can get smoked, but if you're ready, a lot of people underestimate themselves. And if you have backflips on flat ground or if you have them on a flat level into a pool and you just know the variation and the feeling of getting that flip spin down, follow somebody in that knows it, get some tips from your friends that have them, look online, but more than anything, just envision it, have faith in yourself, and put it down, dude. All right, we're gonna do one more. And the last one is gonna be from Zeke. 16 year old, junior in high school. I love to snowboard. My dream is to be sponsored rider one day. Not necessarily make it to the big leagues like the Olympics or the X Games, although that would be dope, but just to get recognized for my riding. Your situation has greatly inspired me to follow this passion, so I figured you'd be a great person to ask. I just finished watching the fourth episode of the podcast, and you mentioned getting sponsored and creating a following on YouTube. To gain a following, I am thinking about making edits of my riding and posting them on Instagram. I love it. My hypothesis is that if my riding is sick enough, my sending is insane enough, and my following is big enough, sponsors will notice me. This is my only idea of how to get sponsored that I can think of. I also don't want to start a YouTube channel because it just isn't my thing. I would like to hear your ideas and suggestions considering your success, and I would also like to see what you think about my hypothesis. Thank you for your time, keeping the dream alive, and keep killing it. And Zeke, you could not be more spot on. If you want to get sponsored, my suggestions, I've done full YouTube videos on it. You guys can search to really get the long in-depth breakdown, but you need to be able to bring value to said company. A company has goals and they have requirements. And if they're going to be paying or if they're going to be giving free gear to any rider that is going to be sponsored by them, they need to be getting an ROI, a return on investment from that person. So it helps a lot to be getting promotion for these companies by companies sponsoring people who then tag them in posts and then the bigger they're following, the more people will see their posts, will see that company and will go to that company. 
if you're in my situation and you have a YouTube channel and you have a TikTok and you post stuff on Reddit and you have an Instagram and you have a Facebook, then that brings a lot of value to a sponsor because said social media platform that they have might be their preferred source. So if they want to push on YouTube, then if I have a certain amount of subscribers on YouTube that will be seen for their product, then that actually brings value to them. A lot of people just wanna be a really good rider and they don't wanna help promote stuff, which is fine, but you might have to do it on your own because if you don't wanna promote a company, then that company is not going to be able to help you and promote you to their following. So it's a circle of you getting love and support and product or financial support from that company, and then you offering hopefully thousands of eyes and multiple hands to actually get said product or to actually use whatever it is that they have. Like us, we got NanoCraft and we use NanoCraft. It helps us recover. So if I post stuff about NanoCraft and I help you guys, anybody watching these videos, get a discount code and make purchases, then that company is stoked that what they're investing in, which is giving me free product and support throughout travels, is actually coming back to them. So it's not a selfish thing. It's just two people a brand and another brand or a person helping each other out just like collaborations happen on YouTube, just like you wanna to go to somebody that has a following, you wanna do a video with them and they wanna share it with you on their page and then you'll get their followers to see you and vice versa. That's basically what sponsoring is. So I'm gonna shut this video down right now and go get this thing uploaded and I'm stoked that I actually got it done. And I just wanna remind all of you guys that this is a huge time in our life to get things done that you weren't gonna do before when you didn't have the time to do them. So many of us, myself included, complain about not having any time to do the things that we wanna do or to take the next step and get the things done that we want to. So instead of being negative, or leaving hate comments, let's empower each other today. Let's tell somebody something amazing that they've done. Let's call old friends, let's touch base, let's do the little things because little things matter now more than ever and let's stay positive and spread love during these crazy times. Hope you guys got some stoke out of this. Hope you guys got some information out of this. I believe it should be on iTunes. If you guys are watching this on YouTube, leave a comment. Let me know what you wanna hear in the next podcast. Also, I have a Patreon account, and the next podcast I do, I'm going to be taking questions from all patrons. So if you guys are interested in that, I'll leave all the links to all this stuff below. Thank you to all the sponsors who support Outside TV, Nanocraft, Candy Grind, Guayaki, Shred Souls, Lego Snowboards, anybody else that I have not mentioned. You guys are what keeps this going. Thank you guys for watching. You are the number one thing that keeps this going. Stay healthy, stay safe, stay stoked, and see you next time. Uh, and you love to hear it, part six. You.